what you basically said also, but I just want to, you know, emphasize it is you can live in peace and harmony. There's so many different degrees of different choices, as long as they match the frequency you're at, right? Mm -hmm. When you cross over, this is about ascension. It gives you more choices. <laughs> so um, the point that I understand and it's free will choice, but that souls always want to evolve. And that includes source <laughs> and creation. And the way, not the easiest way, to evolve a soul, i.e. make it stronger, is through hardships. Is that fair to say? Yes, but through those hardships, you learn purification. So now we've gone full circle. <laughs> you okay. learn to purify the trauma that you've endured in order to become either neutral or into the love and light. I am not bashing the love and light crowd, guys. Like, But there is a toxicity to it when it comes to being over on the way scale of being like, I am better than you because I am enlightened, because love and light protects me because all this other stuff, that is not what love and light is about. Love is, again, about sharing, about compassion. Light is about communication. It's about knowledge. It's about tolerance and acceptance of being neutral. So, you know, it's a literally, if you're not sharing your knowledge and you're just hoarding it, that's becoming toxic. So, we all have to work together. And, you know, there's there's the people on the opposite ends of the spectrum who don't want to evolve, who, you know, are just, and that's fine. Being neutral, that's fine. Everyone has their own way of doing things and their own time of evolving. Not everyone's going to evolve the same time. So if they wish to be like that, that's fine. But as long as they are not overstepping because that's when you break the balance. Neutra neutrality is about keeping that balance within certain wavelengths. You know, over overstepping those bounds. We can control that overstepping. You know, evil on this planet is not usually born. Okay, there are genetic defects and stuff like that. But it's rare. It's usually created because lack of compassion, yes. lack of self-identity lack of community and lack of direction and you know? early trauma in an environment that is trauma is going to always happen i have yet to meet except for two people who did not have a traumatic childhood either they were raped molested their parents were abusive it's a normal fact of life but what are we going to do about it of life here of life here on this what are we going to do about it you can't control everything but you can control how it affects you there are help there is help out there to cope with your trauma you know my trauma of being in the projects is not going to be the same as everyone else who is in the projects i coped differently than everybody you know we might share the same basics of the trauma again you know, someone who gets into a car accident isn't going to have always different outlooks on that trauma and how to cope with that trauma. So 
Same with soldiers. Soldiers are always going to have a different coping mechanism. Hopefully it's not drugs and alcohol. <laughs> it's not the healthiest. <laughs> Running away is not coping, okay? Right. So you need well, to talk and, about it. And your point with the love and light too is what's in, in that community, spiritual up-leveling is a term used where um, the human nature doesn't want to look at anything that's uncomfortable or negative because they think they're going to create it. That's the thing, because there's this thing, what you focus on, you create. I've learned to disagree with that. What you focus on, if you can stay neutral, you actually gain um, information from. And when, and actually when you have enough information, at first it's really scary and you go through all these steps like, whoa, because your perspective has been knocked down. But when you get to a certain point of having the overview, the eagle eye, the perspective that Apollonie, you're so good at sharing, my fear dissipates. It complete it dissipates with that knowledge. Knowledge is power. So for for what most people may not understand, what you're talking about is a law of attraction. They see all this negative stuff. Oh, I was watching, you know, stuff on YouTube about all these car accidents, and then it got into a car accident. I must have attracted it to me. It can psychologically get into you and energy-wise attract you, but that's because you're wanting it to attract you, whether you're conscious of it or not. You're sucking it in. And part of that is understanding the energy manipulation that will be taught in the book, you know. How do you not be so empathic that you suck everything into yourself? Because it does happen. You know, your your well, mind. People are walking around in constant anxiety, is what mm -hmm. they're saying. They say if I watch something like that, I'm it makes me anxious all the time. You know, because they don't have control over it. There's nothing they can do about that particular situation. You know, and there's several different ways on that. There are people who will energetically suck in trauma to them because they want to help so bad that they don't even know they're doing it we call these like super high impasse and then the same thing will happen to them within a week or so there are exercises energetically that you can do so you stop doing that you which know? you're going to teach in your manuals yes. and, uh, that i'm hopefully going to teach thoroughly in my manuals because i am one of those people i have that ability and you know, it, it's, it sucks. So no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I hear mostly on the table, especially from a larger percentage of women, but also men is they came in as empaths and I'm like, bad idea for earth, but glad you're here. Cause we really need you. <laughs> That's my line. right? Yeah. And you so know, and, and, and being an empath is like the worst on this planet. Nobody I can't say nobody. There are a lot of people who are not true to themselves. A lot of empaths feel like they can't trust people because they're not getting the truth of what is in a person's heart versus what's coming out of their mouth. So they have trust issues, you know, so I'm getting kind of sidetracked, but the, the laws of attraction can, can happen with that. Again, a lot of super empaths create that around them. Um, but there are exercises you can do to stop that. And take control of yourself. You cannot can take control of the entire environment around you all the time. The only thing you can do is control yourself. That's it. And that's what everyone needs to focus is on themselves. You cannot help others until you yourself are centered. 
Otherwise, you're both going to drown. In some aspects, some people don't want to change. But I find a lot of people just don't know how have, have the knowledge to change. They don't know what to do. You know, how do I even change this? I have a bad habit of a behavior, you know, like, or maybe they, they have like bad habits, you know, like, oh, I'm so busy all the time, but they were just sitting there on their phone, not doing anything. They're like, I don't know how to change this. I'm addicted, you know, or, you know, I, I have a really bad habit of being too judgy of someone. How do I change this? How do I curb this tendency? And most of it is the lack of knowledge. Because, oh, to take someone who has one of those tendencies and they want to change. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the support system. You know, they have no guidance. They have no direction. It is so hard to do something on your own when you don't even know where to begin. It's just easier not to change. How people are very judgmental about themselves and that they had to be hard, but still having to be harsh on themselves for truth. Oh, really? That is self-honesty. Yeah. That that is neutral. Okay. When when you need to reflect on yourself, being like, oh, I've been having a bad attitude lately. You know, people don't want to hang around me. I don't know why I don't have any friends. Um, normally I'm this reality check to my friends <laughs> because I'm a very blunt person. I let them be them until they are like, why they start asking those questions. Why doesn't people want to be around me or, or why is this happening? And then I just let them have it full bore. I'm not nice. Okay. You know, I'm like, you're selfish. You you only focus on yourself. You, you're not, you're not understanding that there are other people around you who have other opinions, who have other talents, other, you know, wanting to do stuff, you know, communication, it, it's all about you and not about everyone else. I'm very mean. <laughs> but when we are focusing on ourselves to understand what is really going on, because everyone is so into what everyone else thinks about them, the last thing they think about is, I need to talk to myself. Self-reflection, self-inquiry. Self Self-reflection is so important. It should be the first thing you ever do before seeking outside advice. And the first thing parents should teach kids. Which never happens. Which ever. probably never happens on this planet. Right. So when you're self-reflecting, you need to be harsh on yourself. If you know in your heart that your attitude or your way of thinking or doing things is wrong, you need to acknowledge that. It might necessarily not be your fault because the way you were raised or, you know, habits that your family has, habits that the community has, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to act like that or feel the same way. Normal things like you're in high school and you're trying to get into the in crowd, but you're, you're, what you're doing doesn't feel right, okay? You need to self-reflect. Is the attitude I'm having or the actions I am taking or the person I'm becoming, is that really who I want to be? Is there another way that I can achieve this without feeling out of place or guilty or feeling like I'm losing my own identity through this? You know, you have to have that logic and emotion. So be very harsh and critical on yourself, but don't dive into the depression 
or anxiety of it. And that's the scariest thing for most people. They don't like what they see in the mirror. And so they continue on what they're doing because they don't know how to deal with it. They don't know where to go. They want to fit in. They want to, they want to do this and that. And, you know, but there's other ways of doing things. So, you know, you were saying doing right here. And I found from my own head, because often the words we use, um, you know, we react to. So, mm -hmm. so when to detach yourself, that just because you're doing something wrong is not the whole picture of who you are as a soul, right? So I think that's the problem. That's where people go downhill and the program that they're not enough. So even using the word, like you said, um, I think it's really great to go instead of I am selfish to go, I'm doing selfish, aren't I? <laughs> And that removes a little, do you know what I mean? It's like it empowers yourself that it's not, you're not limited and defined by it, but you're conscious that you're doing it. And do you still want to continue? So just doing something like that, you know, right. shift things. And, and it needs to happen on a daily basis. I caught myself the other day being kind of super cynical. I have a cynical nature and working on it, <laughs> but you know, I was being super critically cynical when a, a friend came to me for help and it wasn't the right cynicism that they needed at that point in time. I had to recognize what I was doing and bite my tongue. You know, I'd been like, I'm being too judgmental, too cynical about their actions and what they need. I self-reflected and been like, okay, I need to calm down. This is why I am being cynical had nothing to do with the person who was in front of me. I needed to remove that from myself and focus on the person that was in front of me and what they needed from me at that point in time. I believe most people are more intuitive than they think, right? Mm -hmm. And most language is not verbal. So even if you're trying to be on good behavior, if you're looking like <laughs> this or, yeah, I'm listening, <laughs> you know, or whatever, they know, right? Yeah, the energy comes off of you and a lot of people could feel that. So if you're if you're trying to be there for someone or, you know, you're talking to someone and you're just not there emotionally, you're not there mentally, they're going to feel like you're being they're being ignored, you know. And it's okay. It's okay to say like, "Man, I am just drained. I am not all here today. Can we talk about this later?" Exactly. Is there any last thing you want to talk about re regarding the toxic side of self-serving ego or false love light and um, emotion logic balance and neutrality needed for our ascension? So for, for toxic ego, toxic ego is basically when someone gets on their high horse and they think that they have all the answers, that they're above everybody else but they put on that false facade of caring, you know, or it's the other side where they're just like, I don't care what you think, you know, the love and light, the, 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 the love and light and falsely in, in enlightened crowd, they will give off a toxic ego. And it's the, I'm better than you because I'm enlightened. You go your way and be you, you know, and then 
inside internally they're judging everyone that is not a neutral or enlightened sense of view that is i am starting to possibly get there or they're just using it as a mask again i am very blunt so but this is what i have seen in a lot of the communities um and not everyone does it like in the communities i come across maybe like 10 percent okay not saying everyone in love and light has this ego issue just saying like 10 percent of them you know they need to (laughs) reevaluate a lot of the enlightenment toxic ego is i'm better than you i'm evolved more than you um you know i have all the answers i have all of this knowledge you know i'm Basically, it's it's a snooty version of trying to be enlightened, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. And you can see this in, like, their, their written text and the way that they project to themselves. You know, I do not have all the answers. I do not claim to have all the answers. You know, I mean, yes, I am an evolved being, like, past fifth dimension. Does that make me perfect? Oh, hell no. I still make mistakes. I still have a lot of learning to grow, you know, so I'm not even claiming that, (laughs) but what else was I going to say? Oh, so like you have that group and it's just that they have to work past that ego boundary. I'm hoping that they're doing the right stuff to ascend and Ego is always never going to be removed. I want to make that 100% clear. Your ego is not going anywhere. It is part of your conscious collective. It is part of your essence of your soul. Without it, you wouldn't even exist. Okay? But there are ways that you can manage it and make it helpful to you. On the opposite end of the spectrum... You know, you have this, the the dark, you know, uh, evil ego, self-serving. Self-serving can be productive. It can help you. But when you get too far over, and I've had some students do this, which is why um, usually I don't take students unless they're physically here, because then I can... (laughs) We can get that ego in check when they get to that point. This is God mode ego, okay? This is, I I am enlightened and I, I have, no one is more powerful than me. You know, I can do everything. Follow me. <laughs> I can do, I can do everything and, and nobody has control over me. I get to do what I want. I'm going to be a, a dick to this person because I can, you know, and, and they can't do anything about it. You are just literally waiting for a bigger fish in the sea to come on along and eat you and put you in your place. <laughs> Don't do it. This is the the world revolves around me. The universe needs to bend to my will. That tree over there is going to move because I'm going to walk in a straight line and that thing has to move in my reality, but it's not going to. That is a super toxic side of self-serving ego. And there is a lot of it on this planet. And bullying. Oh my God. I don't even, but the biggest. Yeah. Um, but ego is important. It is important side of consciousness 
to self-serve in a harmonious way, you need, there are times and times and events where you need to think you're a God or you will fail, you know, oh, I got into an accident. I am going to take control of my reality. I'm going to heal myself. Nothing is going to hurt me. That is self-serving in a good way. You know, or I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make this happen. It is going to come to me. I am going to gather all this energy and make good things happen for me. That is self-serving in a good way. You know, the the love and light crowd in a good way (laughs) is compassion understanding that your opinion your way oh that that that's one thing uh the the love and light and enlightenment crowd you have to do this enlightenment this way that is the only way that you're gonna get it is the way that i experience that is not true there are several ways to enlightenment everyone has to take their own path understanding that not everyone is going to experience the same event the same way and that you cannot be very judgmental on everyone's experience everyone has a right to have a voice it might be wrong in some aspects but it will always have truth that's beautifully beautifully said Now, I do remember, I thought this was profound. I never thought of it this way. Um, In our pre-talk, you said emotions are the twin of consciousness. Absolutely. Can you explain that a little bit? So in the divine creation, most people will understand this as like the twin serpents of the Kundalini or the Cadesius. You have the golden spiral, which I talk about in my book. And then you have the silver spiral, which I also talk about in my book. They are the opposite side of the same coin. So in consciousness creation, you will have emotions and consciousness and thought. Like they are all one and the same. Your soul, your spirit, your consciousness will always have emotions and thought. Emotions and thought are two different things. They are not the same. You are feeling and communicating with something through certain vibrations, while thought is a focused, directed form of communication. And they travel at the same dimensions. So this is why light speak can travel halfway across the galaxy in a a matter of, like, snap. So versus, like... And it's thought and emotion together. Boom. Mm -hmm. So when when you have the highest amount of light speak and you can receive that, you are receiving emotions. You are receiving possibly thoughts of like words to translate. And you're receiving pictures of of what the person's feeling or experiencing. So those are all the same. And they're both the same side of the coin. Fascinating. I've never heard it that way. Now, how does intuition fit into that? Intuition is your consciousness expanding past itself to the outside consciousness of your environment and the people around it and the universal consciousness. And so 
say you have the intuition that your best friend just got hurt or they're in the need of your help. Maybe they had a bad breakup. We're on that topic today for some reason, just because it's so common, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, or that, you know, maybe even they have a surprise for you and they're like, I have a surprise for Marilee. There's a gift coming to her. <laughs> I don't want anyone to tell her, but you get that inclination of like, you know, Apollo me has What are you up to? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Without saying anything, you have that. And then of course, like a package arrives. That is because I, I would be light speaking unintentionally, but right. light speaking to you. And because I'm thinking of you, that energy is going to you. And your intuition is picking that up. Your sensors for the 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 environment of energy is picking that up that'd be your aura it'd be your thymus and your pituitary and then would it also be um since it's uh, science has discovered that we have brain cells or the enteric brain in our stomach and stuff you know so to speak uh, you know our solar plexus or chakras does it also come from there too yeah, like saying you're getting like, oh man, I've got this bad feeling, like I'm about to go on stage and this is going to turn out terribly, or like we're going on a field trip and being like, man, we're something's going to happen, you know, it's all still the same thing, it's just different organs can be susceptible, you know, to certain things, like say you know that your, your spouse or whatnot uh, is having like a really bad day and you're going to get in a fight and your heart's like, man, I just got this feeling something's going to happen, you know, or you got a bad feeling in your gut when you're going on a trip or something and been like, I'm not walking out that door. Something's going to happen. I don't know what it is, but I am not walking out that door. I've got a gut feeling. You're still receiving information the same. It's all the same, but every chakra is connected to a physical organ and they vibrate on different frequencies. So certain organs are going to pick up certain frequencies more than others. Okay, so since we were speaking about intuition, uh, one of the subscribers' questions was, how can I tell if someone's lying? <laughs> so there are obviously body languages that certain people have when they lie, uh, eye movements, you know, facial expressions, tall tale signs is what we call poker face, <laughs> poker face reading. Energetically, though, if you are sensitive enough, you can tell someone's lying because the frequency of their heart is not the same as the frequency of their mind. It is a tall tale sign that they are speaking untruthfully. Um. So like the frequency of your brain waves would change, but your heart would change into a darker, more depressed color because your soul usually knows that it's not okay to lie. It's not natural for a lot of souls to lie. So you would be, those energies would come through to your energy field and, and you would feel it in your heart area and your, your chakras. And then you'd be like, oh, well, maybe this person isn't telling me the full truth. This is what we call light speak. Everyone has it. Some people are more susceptible and sensitive to it than others. So um, 
yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> you experience that as a as a uh, a skip in the heart, or being no, that that's a physical trait. A lot of CIA and FBI agents will know if someone's lying to them because they'll take their pulse. And when they ask them certain questions, your heart will actually skip a beat. Oh, interesting. For someone like for someone like me, who's really sensitive to pheromones, if I know that person well enough, like if they're my mate or my family member or my friends, and I know their sense of smell, your chemistry changes when you lie, whether you believe yourself or not. So that helps too. <laughs> I, w I watched the beginning of the people who invented the lie detector and they found that uh, there was sweating, there were certain things, uh, galvanic skin response, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So uh, before we go to the next exciting part, I just want to sum up really quick because it's so fascinating. What I took the liberty of is uh, I'm like, how do we, I wonder, uh, this thought came to me, I wonder how I could take the five principles of the art of war by Sun Tzu and kind of slightly convert them into neutrality. Don't ask me why that, okay? You know, because that is the textbook in the art of war. So what about if we had the art of neutrality? That's what I was thinking, right? And of course, um, you know, as Apollomy said, if your soul goes through the healing process of trauma, by reaching forgiveness and neutrality, your consciousness becomes the antibody receptors for the universe. So if your soul learns to heal by receiving information and experiences in a more neutral, logical, observer-like way, your consciousness to me then becomes a wise, experienced antibody in this universe because it recognizes that which can cause harm and neutralize it. So even the word neutralize contains neutral. So I just wanted to throw, I mean, it took me five minutes to do this. And I was just having fun. The art of war shifted into the art of neutrality. So so these are kind of the rules, but I shifted a couple words. Supreme intelligence and knowledge consists in breaking or ending the opposer's resistance without fighting. Two, stop ego-projected reactivity to possible opponents, be proactive, not reactive. Three, honest assessment of strengths and weaknesses of self and others requires self-inquiry and change is a necessary step for maturing your soul and actions. Four, learn adaptability and flexibility, not being rigid or stubborn, yet staying true to your authentic soul self. And five, you succeed when your team is respectfully animated by the same coherent spirit. That's pretty good. <laughs> you like that? I have one thing to say, though. Yes. In enlightenment for true neutrality, you do not have to forgive anything. Real? Okay, that was really important to find that out. So uh, how do I put this? Wow. It was something that I had to experience on my own. Um, there are certain actions that is so heinous, heinous to yeah. the soul that you do not have to forgive somebody at all. However, in order to get over that trauma, you need to analyze, educate yourself on 
why this happened. You need to analyze yourself. You need to analyze the person who did this to you. And you might not have all the answers. And here's the hardest thing you were ever going to have to do. Justice may never be served, ever, on something. And that keeps a lot of people holding on to that trauma. You need to drop it. Because they're attached to revenge also. Yeah, it can lead to revenge. But just wanting that justice can cause you to hold on to it. So understanding why you were in that position, how you put yourself in that position, understanding the lessons that need to be learned from that so that you never put yourself in that position again. Or if you do, what can you do to get out of it and recognize the signs to keep yourself safe? Third is coming to terms with the mistake that you've made, you know, or that the logic of, why that person did what they did to you. And even though you might not understand them fully, you need to recognize what they've done. Go through it logically, go through it emotionally. And then when you come to the point where you just get to that point where you're just mad about the whole situation or sad about it, that is the point where you've overthought everything. You've worked everything through mentally and emotionally. You just need to drop it. Just been like, okay, it's done and over with. Justice may never be served, but I can't hold on to this anymore because it doesn't serve me any good. And you just have to let it go. You do not have to forgive them. Forgiving is like a cheater's way of being like, okay, well, if I force myself to think I have to forgive them because it's the right thing to do, whatever it is, it's kind of like an escape goat where I call it brainwashing, <laughs> you know, just being like, I have to forgive them. I have to forgive everyone. I have to, I have to be nice. You just have to be neutral. So just, just coming to terms with everything, working through your trauma and just dropping it when that time comes, it's still going to clear your karmatic debt. It's going to still keep you neutral and it's not going to bother you anymore because you've worked through it all versus just being like, I just have to forgive them. You know, whatever they did, I just have to forgive them. Forgiving does not work out your problems. It's just a, a shield. Oh my God. I'm so glad you brought this up because that is so important. I assume that you have to forgive for your karmic load to drop. Mm -hmm. You're saying you don't have to forgive, but you do have to do the self-responsible processing so you can let it go. Right. And that's the difference. Because once you learn to analyze yourself, you know, you learn from your mistakes, you, you learn from the event that happened because obviously an event is two-sided. It's your side and their side. So you don't have to understand everything that happened or why they did it because sometimes you're not going to, you know, like the forest fire happened, you know, and I had a traumatic experience. You just have to work on your side. Um, but it will release that karma because you've learned to grow past it. You've learned to come to terms with it. You've integrated it into yourself. You're emotionally and mentally worked through it. You're stable. And then just dropping it is the hardest thing. 
Yeah. So dropping it, does that mean it never arises in your mind again? Or does oh, no, it can totally arise in your mind, but it's not going to trigger you. It's not going to affect you. Been like, oh, yeah, I remember this happening. Yeah, okay, the thought's gone. Because you've already worked through it. it there's no trauma left for it to hold on to. And dropping it has literally been like, I've done everything I can to cope with this, to come to terms with it. I'm just letting it go. It serves no purpose for me anymore. And okay. you'll know you're ready at that time because you won't feel sad. You won't feel anxious. You won't feel regret or pain. And then it's just, there's other things that need to be on your mind and you just drop it. it can take months, but you know. Yeah. Oh my God. That's one of the most important things you've shared. I just assumed we had to actually forgive, but I can see that what you're doing is you're, you're uh, lessening or dropping the charge in the weight, charge in the body and weight in the energy. So that's why you can still ascend, right? So, so say, yeah. So say someone like one of your friends stole something from you and you just like, forgive them. But you're using the word as an analogy to just be like, oh, this is over with. But you still have all that emotion and all that logic to think over. It's a shield. It's not really fixing anything. And then you're bagging that karma still on. You can be like, I forgive you, which is a giving energy all you want. But it's all still there. Unless you have that ability just to drop things and, and go through process everything individually, like in seconds. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. So important. Now I went to celebrate Apollomy, who for those of you who have watched all our shows, remember that she is St. Bridget in yeah. past life. And today of uh, this show is February 1st, which is Imbolc. So want to celebrate and thank you so much for all you did in that life <laughs> because I know it was a lot and you lost your children and so many things but this is your day and uh thank you so in the style of Imbolc and um kinfolk and celebrating I would love for you to share the experience or the uh stories that I know you've had experience with all different kinds of beings, but the one, uh, the satyr and the pan and the sapphire uh, mountains close by where you live would be wonderful just to share with people. So I was with my dad and my, uh, one of my, well, his friends, and it was Christmas time. We went up to the sapphire mountains, which is in Montana for cutting down a Christmas tree. They had permits. So, and we were out in the forest area. There's a lot of pine trees up in that area. And I felt a presence that was very familiar. And I know that there are satyrs up in that mountain occasionally. They're, they're a lot more dimensional, but they can actually become physical. There's been a couple sightings like reported and whatnot. We went out there and there was at least like five, six of them that I could feel. And then Pan actually came in himself for dimensionally, but we actually saw footprints in the snow that were bigger than deer. 
which was pretty cool because like yeah. I could feel him and I was like standing next to him I was like hey how's it going you know because the entities they were the the satyrs they were watching us they're like why are you here what are you doing and I'm like we're just we have a permit we can cut down a tree you know it's Christmas time for humans so we're just we're, we're not going to hurt anyone or we're not you know overly doing anything wrong because they are protectors of the forest especially with other entities who can you know reach out and touch things because there's gates over there too there's portals and <laughs> I was like man if I could activate those I'd just walk right on through <laughs> but now were the other people you're with were they as open and intuitive as you or were you no no they were they were straight up just normal humans they me and my dad were the only ones who could actually feel anything and I walk up to my dad and I'm like nudging him and I was like do you feel that he's like yeah pan's here didn't even tell him anything absolutely nothing he just knew I was like okay I just wanted to double check because I like to cross-reference a lot exactly so. now did your friends who were more normal did they see the prince actually in the snow yeah, we actually pointed out the prince to them because my dad and I saw them and I was like, I was like, those, those aren't deer prints. They're pretty big. I mean, we're, we're talking like they, yeah, they're, they were cloven hooved and they were pretty big and wow. mountain goats don't usually reside on that side of the mountains. They're usually far more towards the bison range area where the, the Native American land is. So, and it's, it's a little lower elevation for them. And so we're like, but there was also an entity standing right there in the same hoof prints for That's me. So I was so like, oh, cool. That is so cool. Now, I'm not sure if you're comfortable saying this, but I imagine he knew who you were. The panda and I have had an interesting, like, friendship I guess you would say he seemed to know a lot more about me than I knew about him and he just randomly shows up occasionally so aha uh -huh. the first time I met him is when I was a kid again in the sapphire mountain areas uh he's got a couple territories over here which I thought was really weird because like I don't remember most of his territory is is over towards like um ireland and and roman areas so he kind of travels everywhere that would make sense that would make sense um but he might uh, since this is all in bulk though as bridget did he ever know you i do not know before the fey wars you're not sure okay if if it possibly but I don't really have any full Cause recollection. Because that, that's what I'm getting intuitively. Yeah. I mean, he is a fake king. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> he does have his own kingdom. Which is where? Do we know? It's in another dimension. It, uh, it's one of the, when the veil got put down here, uh, you know, all all of the phase, a lot of the phase, they ended up going to other, the higher dimensions because they they didn't want to be here with the veil being put up I should have went <laughs> I regret not going but so how long did you converse telepathically uh, about a good 15 minutes oh cool so he obviously didn't mind you taking the tree then 
Well, it wasn't me chopping down the tree. It was the other people. Uh oh. Uh huh. But that that is so cool. That is so cool. Now, is there centaurs there too? Not in this area. There has been rumors of centaurs uh, in closer to some of the Native American um, reservation lands. A couple of towns away. Yeah. Now uh, I we'll we'll actually hopefully be going hunting ghost hunting slash paranormal hunting over in those areas to see if we can't make contact there's been rumors of centaurs uh bigfoot and even satyrs over there so so fun oh yeah it's definitely sasquatch country i felt over there too for sure yeah, so, and i so know that the american uh, indian elders um the indigenous people have had long time contracts to not talk about Sasquatches, Elvins, Fay, and yeah. as mutual protection. Is that correct? Um, I've heard rumors, but I don't have enough information to divulge anything. All okay. I know is like when we go over there, you know, being part Faye myself, like we're gonna be bringing offerings. So good yeah. Yeah, good idea. Um now you did tell me you didn't personally experience it, but it cracked me up because it's so pan. You did tell me about what uh, some people said in a bar a couple towns down. American Indians told you. Just mentioned. Yeah, we we ended up having an interview with with one of the 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 natives on. You can actually find that one on Galaxy of Unity. <laughs> but if I remember correctly, he does talk about. Um, one of the satyrs likes to go to one of the bars and looks human but if you're an energy manipulator and you you can see true sight of dimensional beings uh you can tell that he's a satyr and he, he definitely likes the ladies apparently from what he said so <laughs> i'm like i kind of want to go to this bar i don't go to bars but like I'll be like hmm, just so i can we'll have to do that sometime <laughs> that'll be fun well, they don't call it pansexual for nothing, do they? Right? <laughs> if they like you, man. And so, does he leave with, with human women? Like, they didn't say. Woohoo! Okay. <laughs> Speaking of hybrids, right? Now, right? <laughs> well, thanks for sharing those. So, folks, um, you probably watched the show I had earlier with super soldier David Lotherington, who shapeshifts into a lichen, which is a wolf, uh, uh, wolf um, human, humanoid species for battle. And he explained all the details of how he does that. So I would like you, Apollomy, to share what you know about the lichen thrope viruses because you mentioned that to me on a show a long time ago i mean not on a show on a phone call and it was fascinating so can you share the that info for people so people need to understand that there are like there is an et species of what people would call like dogs they're caninus type creatures everyone can think of anubis Anosians, like yeah. the full anthro form just like the Chaxuri and uh, like the Kuite, Chaxuri are the blue avian bird people that, you know, and then the, the Kuite are actually golden mantoids. There are animalistic ETs out there. 
Uh, same with the cats. Like the most people would understand them as the Lyarians um, or the Katai. So those species are not viral. They they are naturally born uh, creatures. They're not really hybrids of any kind. Uh, they just evolve naturally. Um, and then there are the there are certain viruses out in space that mutate to genetics. And this is where a lot of super soldiers can come in where they get injected with this virus or they will tweak their DNA with it. Um, it is a little bit more aggressive than just going in and snippeting DNA for like a, a thropy or not thropy, sorry, a caninus creature with a human if the the genetics do not bond very well and they can't get them to bond very well they can use the virus that will actually cause them to genetically shift into these creatures and it's not just dogs the the virus is a binding like it binds to your dna and it can be tagged with many other species so we're talking dragons, we're talking cat-like, we're talking uh, bird-like. The birds are interesting, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's usually a very controlled virus just because of how contagious it can be, but they can shut off the contaminant ability if it's a genetically formed uh, contaminant. Contagious so, facts or huh? like semen or kissing or just touching? How is it contagious? Just in the uh, normally the normal virus can be pretty contagious to where if you get bitten or kissing, like really kissing, you know, or intimate, it can be transferred. Any any ET species who uses it as a binding agent, usually they shut it off. They shut the contamination off. So uh is that yeah. called a throat B throat B virus? So, thropy is, yeah, technically just like the, the virus stage itself, or it means it's just transmittable. I mean, you got lycanthropy and catthropy, and well, most people call it catthropy, you know, or just things like that. So, of course, it's in space, it's called something different. Thropy is a human terminology, not a outer space terminology. Interesting. Okay. And then not, you mentioned there's a species in France too. Uh, the species, the species in France is actually, they only turn, okay, so the thropy ones are usually anthropomorphic. They do look, it's like the draconians versus like dragons, okay? Most dragons are on all fours or whatnot. Uh, draconians are... They can they can be on all fours comfortably, but they also stand bipedal and can comfortably stand up and use their hands for whatever tinkering that they need to. The same for the 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 thropy uh, virus. They're usually more bipedal than anything. They can use on all fours if they wish. The ones in France uh, that are in the legend and lore, they are actually a sentient creature that usually comes from outer space we had them on mars uh they are very verbal talking although they do have an accent so they can talk they're intelligent 
no different than a human for conscious communication or thought processes. We also had these cat versions on Mars as well, when Mars was actually habited before the scar on it happened, uh, when I was basically judging it. So uh, I am not 100% sure if some of those genetics came over here during the evacuation, because some of their kind did get evacuated, but they could also be related to some of the puka, which is a fake creature. But the ones in France only turn into actual wolves. There is no bipedal uh, transformations. Wow. Do you know what area of France? I don't remember. Okay. It's it's like one of the smaller town areas, if I remember correctly. And then around your area also, uh, it's been known, at least in the Navajo nations, that they have what's called skinwalkers or shapeshifters. So you have some of those too? Uh, there have been random reports of certain creatures. I think most of them think that they're Bigfoot. My my dad and one of my college friends, they were going up Rattlesnake at 3 o'clock in the morning. It was summertime. It was nice out. Um, I ended up having to work, so I couldn't go with them. But they ended up reporting that they got chased out. Back, they found this cabin back in like 10 miles back in the woods that was abandoned and there was something following them quite a few things following them the all the way back and you know my my dad's an energy user he he can sense other dimensional beings but this was physical and my friend saw it too it was black very tall about six seven foot tall um definitely furred and they could hear wolves occasionally howling we have wolves up here not that big of a deal you know, but they ended up getting chased out by these bipedal creatures that would run on all fours and then run on bipedal. And they had black fur on them with yellow eyes. It'd be dogmen, too. Are you thinking? Yeah, something. Um, there is like really, really rumored, you know, stuff of like fae being seen out there, fairies, um, Bigfoot, that sort of thing. Hmm. So they're and, not, they didn't quite a hundred percent get a good look at it, but he was. And, just, and so they were actually being run after, yeah. where did they escape to? They ran down the trail all the way out of there and they didn't stop. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I bet. Did anyone stay behind? Like, you, mm -hmm. no, they're like, okay. Because uh, would you have been eaten or were they just mostly scare, scaring them out of the territory? Because that's their territory. I have absolutely no idea. They didn't stick around to find out. Oh, understandable. Because they got the feeling like we're not wanted. We're not wanted. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm going to throw, before we do the last four questions from uh, subscribers, I'm going to throw a sneaky question your way. Since we're sneaky talking question. about shape-shifting so how do you shape-shift into a dragon well it's not for the faint of heart uh it is painful considering your bones rearrange but uh it's easier when i'm off world just because there's a lot more prana and i'm not as hungry afterwards so i've only shape-shifted on a couple missions up in space um like 
I have my wings and my tail and my my second set of ears on my head and my the center of my shins will actually get a second that has a second kneecap and it will bend backwards and same with like right here uh and then everything else will kind of like shift and move into position it is not very comfortable especially when your face starts to grow out for your muzzle but yeah <laughs> it's really like uncomfortable huh is it literally like your bones are breaking all yeah, over? Yeah, the they're literally shifting. It, it's like going through puberty of growing pains within a matter of like two minutes. It's not very comfortable at all. It, it, there's like these gross sounds that kind of come with it too. Um, it happens also very fast. So your body's usually very warmer afterwards. But, and then of course, like all your senses like kick up. And all your abilities are activated, obviously. From uh, my my abilities don't change when I'm in those forms. They're no okay. different than, than no. But I mean, I... you're you're not on Earth when you're out in space. They do doing your missions, right? Yeah, like when I when I'm out in space, but I have all my abilities out in space because they usually give us the shots to undo the suppression shots. So, and then they usually take yeah. our collar. Well, we're we don't have colors for Section Thirteen anymore. We just have the augments in our brain, but yeah exactly wow that and how big's your dragon <laughs> is that classified no i'm just i'm still a young dragon so i'm no bigger than the size of a house cat but oh no that's too cute i'm picturing you as this huge dragon i do have the ability to shape shift it at least to the size of a a moose so <laughs> that's more what i'm picturing like that size yeah that that's about as big as i can get i always have issues getting bigger than that oh uh, well that's yeah because you were you told us in previous shows that you surprised your entire team that didn't realize you could shapeshift into a dragon and they started shooting at you yeah. and and you had to like protect yourself because they thought you were the enemy until you telepathized to them so what size was that that was the size of the moose. So I was actually in combat and I ended up going infiltrating one of the bases by myself. And I ran into one of the commanders of the regalia that knew me and he kind of kicked my butt, not going to lie. So I ended up getting pinned on the floor and I was in my, my humanoid form with my wings and my tail and stuff. But, and then he managed to make me very angry and I actually transformed into my dragon form which I've never done on any mission before. I always kept that very secret. And for some reason, the Shakrell also keep that very secret from Section 13. They knew I had dragon genetics. Well, it's an ultimate weapon, too. They don't want to reveal that to people. I guess. They knew I had dragon genetics because I had my wings and my tail and my ears, but I never showed any signs of actual fully shape-shifting, to them anyway. Oh. And so when I fully shape-shifted... <laughs> for some freaking tiny but <laughs> I ended up using so my my breath that I produce is this blue fire goo and it burns in space it does not go out in space not very easily anyway until the components are completely used up and I I shot that at the the general commander guy and I missed, I hit these containers of combustible, whatever it was. It was like, these containers were filled with like this, this liquid 
whatever it was, it was really flammable. And so he ended up escaping and I got really mad. I got out of the base before everything else exploded. And all I remember is like, I am freaking tiny. Like I'm not going to be able to do much damage. And so I ended up, and it took a lot of concentration, but I ended up making myself bigger. And I remember flying and thank God the air was denser because I'm not used to being in my dragon form. I'm not used to flying. Um, and I landed on this pine tree and the pine tree kind of went like this. And all I remember is like, I am so happy right now. I'm in my dragon form. I haven't been in my dragon form in like years. Aww. And I'm like, do I want to go save my party members or do I just want to fly around for a little bit? <laughs> so I flew around for a little bit trying to get like the air denseness figured out. I couldn't really figure it out. So I had to psionically fly. <laughs> and... Managed to make it over to the base where my group was held up in this this base that went into the mountainside a little bit. And we were like, my group was running up this like barricade area. And all I remember is like me flying over pretty quietly. And they were like, dragon. That's all I remember them saying. <laughs> like this guy just pointed at me. He's like, oh my God. And they started firing on me. My team turned around, looked up, and was like, holy crap. And they started firing on me. And I have this psionic shield up, you know, just completely around me. And I'm just, like, <gasps> flying there. And I'm like, are they going to stop anytime soon? And I'm like, oh, wait, maybe they don't recognize me, obviously. So to telepathically communicate to my team, I'm like, guys, it's me. Stop firing at me. Go, run, run. I'm your distraction. And they're like, and they received that obviously because of their. Yeah, it took them a little minute, and I had one member who was like still concentrating on firing on me, and he's like, he's like, the other guy had to like literally punch him in the shoulder. Stop <laughs> like, He's like, come on, let's go. So they went into the base, and I'm like sitting here blowing this like blue fl uh, goo flame everywhere. So <laughs> you're yeah, was, spitting. <laughs> It's weird because, like, it comes from, like, a gland that's in your chest, stomach area. And then you're like, I hate throwing up. Like, it is the worst thing for me. I will, no. <laughs> but it, like, you pressurize it. And then from, like, you're coughing, basically. And then it comes up and then just kind of, there's this, like, little, like, um, how do I put it? Like, this gland sacs that are just, like, right here. And then it, like, spits out, and then it just, like, ignites as soon as it hits certain atmospheric stuff. Like, it combines with each other and just, like, is goo. It's like napalm. Hydrogen-based, right? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Blue fire, yeah. Oh, my God. So that was your welcome for, you're, like, having fun going, woo I'm in my real body and figuring it out how to fly to whatever and you flew it psionically which meant your your mind ability overtook and directed it no so to fly psionically you're actually manipulating your electromagnetic field around you like the ufos do oh i couldn't fully i'm still learning how to fly so i'm like the oh, air density was a lot thicker so it should have been easier for me to but yeah. it helped out a lot i just you know 
I don't get the opportunity to tra uh, train very much on that. So. Plus you didn't have a mother dragon teach you at an early age how to fly and do all that stuff. No, but my brother told me that he was going to tether me to a harness and fly me like a kite. And <laughs> how to fly. Oh, nice brother. <laughs> like, thanks. <laughs> oh my God. So that's the most detail of that. Thank you. I know people are just probably have their mouths open and going to like really, really enjoy that. Thank you so much. Let's answer. Um, I always like to keep up with the subscribers questions. So we've got like four quickies. So Maggie wanted to know what happens to inner earth during ascension. Are they part of the ascension process when the planet raises frequency or when a wipe happens? Uh, unless the wipe actually devastates the entire planet, cracks the earth in half, no. Inner earth is not part of the ascension process. It's only topside. I mean, you have a galactic dysphoria, so the consciousness of the planet is going to naturally raise. It will affect them too, but they are not contracted for the ascension. They are not part of the wipe. Okay, so they can still exist, but all the surface stuff can mm -hmm. be taken off, and hopefully most of the uh, nature are all left behind. Depends. Well, I mean, the, most of the time when a super, super wipe happens, they come down and reseed all the plants and stuff like that for the whatever species or like form that they're going to be putting down here for the experiment. So, excuse me. Is so, that, is that why they usually protect this planet really well from meteors? Because we know we can split meteors and redirect them. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the public doesn't know that, but we can. And we, yeah. and we do um so is that one reason they're protecting is also because of all the inner earth kingdoms yeah the inner earth kingdom actually protects earth from a lot of the celestial events in fact we're actually supposed to have a meteor tomorrow friday actually yeah. come really close to earth but unless it starseed council gets the okay to let one come in and you know a lot of the other councils are like hey we're just gonna let this happen you don't really have to worry about it too much. Uh, some of the small ones will end up coming in, but they're going to divert the ones that are like life ending. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. I feel like that too. Wow. Okay. That's a great answer. Um, the dude is his moniker. Wanted to know if alchemy is used by other species and how it originated on earth. Yeah. Alchemy is literally just a uh, science. That's it they just called it alchemy because they didn't really know a whole lot in certain time frames of humanity. So um, the forging process of certain elements and chemicals, absolutely, ETs use it all the time. In fact, ETs were the ones who came down here and taught humans how to do it. So. Okay. And one that everyone's heard about is who is an alchemical master for sure is Merlin. <laughs> yeah, Merlin apparently knew quite a bit. Uh, of alchemy again it was always taught in a lot of the science arts um a lot of the old cultures like atlantis um some of the sumerian cultures they already had alchemy so some of that knowledge always got passed down through certain like pagan religions or like really? native religions or yeah. life paths i should say because they're not really religions they're more of a way of life so. yes yes okay great um missy wanted more description of paradise isle spoken about in our earlier shows are you allowed to do that the paradise isles of hanoa mm -hmm. 
Um, the Immortal Seven live there. That is one of their main territories. I'm not allowed to divulge anything more than that. That is 100% classified. Okay. And I don't know the information. I just don't want to get my butt spanked. <laughs> well, there's no, there's no paradise. Is there a paradise isle in our experimental universe? Because I was assuming she, I bet there is, because I was assuming she was asking about Hanova, but there probably is here, right? But that's classified too? There, There is always something of that area in every universe. It is only for the creators of that universe. That's why I can't divulge okay. what it is and what goes on there. <laughs> okay, but at least we know that. That's a great question, Missy. Thank you for answering that. And uh, one last really quick question, even though people could have looked this up in Google, a couple of subscribers wanted to know what prana is. And of course, you're going to explain that in your manual one book. But do you want to just quickly give a quick sentence of what prana is for them? So prana is kind of more of a wide term use. You, many people know it as chi energy, chi, the life force, uh, it is all scientific of quanta energy. It is basically the energy of the universe that everything is made out of. We all have the ability to manipulate it. It's within us. And once people unlock the ability to manipulate it, they can start taking control of their reality. What I mean reality, I mean like the way you perceive things, the way things come to you, the way things interact with you. You don't become an almighty deity, but <laughs> you're not going to like shift yourself back in time. And we'll go over timelines later too, because I had this conversation with my, my roommate because he, he had a, he was listening to a podcast of like, oh, this, this writer had in his, in his like world, if you traveled to the future and your your young self died from that future, everything would just spontaneously explode into a nuclear bomb. I'm like, no, that's not how that works. Because uh, time is only relevant to itself. The timeline you're on, if you time travel, you're parallel universe jumping or parallel stre stream jumping or branch jumping. Because the timeline you're in is still being written for what you do. And so the only way you can interact with your future self is to jump over to the next timeline. Oh, fascinating. So anything you interact with over there, it's like having a duplicate of you, but you're not going to explode if you touch each other because <laughs> your energy signatures are just ever so slightly off. Okay, that's fascinating. Okay, woohoo. All right, so... Uh, with the prana, you're going to teach in the manuals that you're writing involve, it involves something called the golden and silver spirals and the prismatic convergent magnetism. So mm -hmm. why don't you get people up to speed on the updates? Because you were working in our last show, you were working at getting Galaxy of Unity back up online and how they can contact you or what's happening. Why don't you fill them in quickly on that? Right. Uh, Galaxy of Unity is back. We just launched last Saturday. Uh, we have a new website <laughs> that we're currently working on, so that might be like another couple days or so. However, our YouTube channel is, I deleted our last YouTube channel, so now we have another one. Uh, our Galaxy of Unity icon has been redone. I, I personally find it a lot more catchy. Uh, give us 
you know, what you think about it on our, on our YouTube channel. We only have two videos out. We have our relaunch video and our old, um, our old intro video to our, to our, God, my brain is just, woo! Our old intro video to our interviews. We are mainly going podcast uh, on Rumble, and we might go to a few other areas that aren't going to kick us off. Uh, we still have some of our social media websites, and we're going to be a lot more diligent about updating those in, within the next week. Uh, but so yeah, come check us out on YouTube. Once our website is fully up and running, we have all of our old episodes. We will be posting new ones. Uh, our schedule is going to be changing for our drop dates of content just because it was, well, we're under new guidelines of management now. <laughs> Everything's explained in the intro video for, for the relaunch. But as for contacting me, with me still trying to write the book with our wonderful host, uh, who's been pushing me and being like, you're going to sit down and do this. <laughs> You've been absolutely awesome. I really appreciate all the help that that you do. Um, I really don't have a lot of time to answer a whole lot of emails, especially of personal ones. There is instructions for people who have questions for me uh, for the Galaxy of Unity stuff. It's in the video for our relaunch but I cannot really answer personal emails at this point in time just because we need to grind this book out as soon as possible. Yes. Okay, that's that's great. And also folks, please be patient um, because due to extreme challenges, whew, especially this last month, oh. extreme challenges, we will not discuss Apollomy deals with as a super soldier on missions daily with no salary. We ask that you go to cosmicbrilliance.com and click on donations to offer any support, no matter how small, for our writing of the two manuals and continuation of her shows. And we really appreciate it. So thank you so much for being part of the team. And we appreciate your interest in Apollomy, your generosity of time and sharing of your wisdom and vast experiences in this three-hour show that we'll probably break in half is, is uh, wonderful. I just had a blast and thank you, my love. And I want to um, leave everyone with a two-word answer that I came across that Elon Musk gave to Science Girl's question when she asked him, what is the most amazing thing you know? And his response was two words, awareness, awakening. So with awareness, awakening, which is the theme of all our shows. And today we progress and ascend onwards and upwards. Thank you all until next time.